It has stood the test of time. God's book, the Bible, still relevant in today's complex world. It is written, sharing messages of hope around the world. According to online sources, the five worst Christmas gifts received are hand lotion, a doormat, a glowing toilet seat, pencils, and the number one worst gift, an ugly Christmas sweater. Interestingly enough, the top selling or the best gifts all time are the iPod Touch, Elmo Live, the Nook Reader, the iPad, and the number one gift, Tickle Me Elmo gifts. We always love to receive them. Many of us love giving them. Yet isn't it interesting, over the years, it becomes more and more difficult to buy gifts for people. Most of us have more than what we need. Yet there are those times where we find that unique something for someone. But did you know that the Bible speaks of the greatest gift of all? Better than that, there's no price on it. It's free. What is this gift? Today we continue with the fourth part of our series, Star Wars. Last week we looked at how Satan, even with the guarantee of his defeat looming over him, took revenge on God's people by attacking them. Hope rose with the promise of a coming Messiah. For 400 years, God's people were in bondage in Egypt. They experienced a terrible time of disobedience as they wandered in the wilderness. There was a kingdom that was divided after the reign of Solomon. Constant attacks from their neighbors, the Philistines, the Amorites, Ammonites, and the Jebusites, just to name a few. God's people have experienced persecution under Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, and Rome. To many, to many of God's children over time, it may, it may have been that all hope was lost. Many of the Israelite people would have wondered, where is the promised deliverer? Will the promised deliverer come in my lifetime? Where is this promised one of Israel? Where is the one who would retake the throne of David? In the classic book on the life of Christ, the book Desire of Ages, it says the following. The Savior's coming was foretold in Eden. When Adam and Eve first heard the promise, they looked for its speedy fulfillment. They joyfully welcomed their firstborn son, hoping that he might be the deliverer. But the fulfillment of the promise tarried. Those who first received it died without the sight. From the days of Enoch, the promise was repeated through patriarchs and prophets, keeping alive the hope of his appearing. And yet he came not. And it is this history that Paul would utilize 
as the background for the passage that we will study today. The passage we'll look at is found in Galatians, the fourth chapter. There in the New Testament, in the epistles of Paul, Galatians, the fourth chapter, this is what the Bible says, beginning in verse 1. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he is master of all, but is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the father. Even so, we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Paul wrote to a group of believers in a region called Galatia. It would seem that this letter was not intended for one church, but rather a group of churches in the region. Somehow, apostasy had slipped into the church. And there were teachers who entered into these churches and were particularly trying to Judaize the group. You see, this group was erasing the gospel principle of being saved by grace through faith alone and replacing it with a more works-oriented gospel. They were reinstating things such as circumcision as a means of salvation. And so here in the book of Galatians, Paul is trying to fend off these erroneous ideas that a man can earn his own salvation by a rigorous adherence to the law. So it is here where we join Paul in the midst of his argument. You'll remember Paul began these verses in verses 1 to 3 by saying, Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he is master of all, but is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the father, Even so, we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. Now, Paul wanted to address the Galatian people where they were in their understanding of the gospel message. They believed because they were descendants of Abraham and adherents to the letter of the law that they had earned their inheritance as children of God. Yet Paul began plucking apart that argument piece by piece. So first he met the group head on by simply making the assumption that they are in fact heirs. Yet he deflates the puffed up egos by saying, as long as he is a child, he does not differ at all from a slave. Now the Greek word for child in this instance literally means a minor a small child, not much more than three or four years in age. Paul says, yes, a child of three or four is an heir. However, at that age, he's no different than a slave or a servant. The parents are still in control of this child. Therefore, just as a servant or slave, the child 
It's not free. Now, Paul further emphasized his position of reasoning by saying, though he is master of all, but is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the father. Yes, someday the small child will be the master of all. But for now, he's under guardians and stewards. Quite literally, he is under a teacher or a supervisor. This child who is an heir, who indeed will be the master of all things, right now is under the tutelage of teachers and a supervisor until a time appointed by the father. Now, it was Middle Eastern custom at the time to have a tutor or a supervisor watch over an heir so that the heir would not squander away his inheritance. There was a time, however, that was appointed when the child would enter into the full enjoyment of their inheritance and would have the freedom to choose how they utilized that inheritance. Paul continued this imagery by adding, even so when we were children, we're in bondage under the elements of the world. Now that word elements here in the Greek means the very basics, the beginnings of the alphabet, the very rudiments of knowledge. Paul points out that even as a child, being under the supervision of a teacher and a supervisor, that that child is limited to the very basic rudiments of knowledge. They do not yet have all the information in life to make good decisions on their own. So the tutor and supervisor point them in the right direction and give them guidance in their decision-making. After this, Paul quite eloquently and metaphorically discusses the history of Israel and their understanding of the experience of the promises of God. You see, the Hebrew people were the chosen people of God. They were heirs according to the promise given to Abraham. Yet their experience was a very limited experience. They were still toddlers in a spiritual sense. They were only enjoying a very limited aspect of the covenant promises of God they were given a great number of symbols of the grace and mercy of God. They were given the symbol of circumcision. They were given the Ten Commandments. They were given the ceremonial law. They were also given civil laws. Yet in all this, they were still babes. All of these symbols acted as guardians and tutors or supervisors. They educated pointed the people of God to one very important thing. They pointed beyond themselves. Each of them pointed forward to the time of the Messiah. Yet, these symbols, while rich, only give us a basic and very rudimentary understanding of the reality of who God really is. And it is here where Paul pauses and he uses a small word, the word but. It could be translated moreover, on the contrary. He makes this distinctive pause to inform us that he's about to give us a very powerful exposition on the plan of salvation and who God really is. He is about to give us a new hope. So here, 
in verse four, he provides that hope when he says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Here, Paul says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. Now, the Bible does not state when an emergency came about and God was caught by surprise, all was thought to be lost, then God sent his son. No, you see, God had a plan. God was not caught by surprise. The Bible says when the fullness of time had come. This word fullness in the original literally means that which has been brought to completion. The Bible states that when the time had come to its fulfillment, when everything had been completed, God sent forth his son. What was the indication of this fulfillment? You see, throughout time, God had sent messages of hope through his prophets, through the prophet Micah. He says in Micah chapter 5 and verse 2, But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you, shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from old, from everlasting. The fullness of time had come that this small city, Bethlehem, would bring forth the chosen one. The 490 years of Daniel chapter 9, verses 25 and 26, those prophetic time periods were given so that the time would come when people would know that the Messiah would be anointed. And at that specified time in 27 AD, the time would be fulfilled. The prophet Isaiah would be given many messages speaking to the coming Messiah. Isaiah 7:14 promises this. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Isaiah 11:1 1 says, There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse and a branch shall grow out of its roots. And Isaiah 9, 6 says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder and his name will be called Wonderful. Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Dear friend, each of these verses speaks to the fact and the reality that the fullness of time had come, that each of them would be fulfilled. Each of them were fulfilled in one man, Jesus Christ. His birth was foretold by the ancients. This son wasn't just thrown into the mix, but he was born into the Jewish community under the law. Paul just talked about that situation metaphorically. The Jews lived under the tutelage and supervision of the law. It pointed forward to the coming 
of God's son, Jesus. So he was born into the community of Judaism. He was born as a part of the community of Judaism. He was born of a woman. We need not doubt about the full humanity of Jesus Christ. He was born from a woman, and yet he was born of a virgin. The Bible states that he is God's son, so we need not question his full divinity, fully man, fully God, the one and only unique one. It is here in these verses, these final three verses, that Paul gives us the reason for the birth of the king. You know, during the Christmas season, we celebrate the birth of Christ. We celebrate the birth of Christ through gift giving, family visiting, mall shopping, sharing meals together. But here in this passage, Paul calls our attention to the ultimate gift. Why is it that God sent his son, Galatians says, to redeem those who were under the law? that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Notice, clearly, those two principles that Paul outlines for the reason of the birth of the king. Number one to redeem those who were under the law. Now, second is to initiate our adoption into God's family. Paul speaking of redeeming those who were under the law is a very simple statement to understand. Quite simply, God's son, Jesus Christ, was to pay the price for our freedom under the law. Notice it did not say, and it does not say, he came to destroy the law. But rather it says, his son came to set them free. You see, no longer do we need to be tutored or instructed on the first coming of Christ. No longer do we need sacrifices and to sacrifice different animals to point forward to the true sacrifice for our sins. No longer do we need to be shown symbolically what the love of God is all about. Why not? You see, because Jesus came in the flesh and Paul is simply asking them, why are you doing all this ceremonial stuff? These items are merely a shadow to the reality. Jesus is here. Now, does Jesus' coming negate the moral law? No. But now it serves its more complete purpose in the personage of Jesus Christ. Yet Paul does not only speak of our redemption, but then he points to this special word, our adoption. Now, in the original Greek, the word for adoption is huothesia. Now, we can go to a lexicon, the Lunita lexicon, and when we read there, we see that this word literally means to formally and legally declare that someone who is not one's own child is henceforth to be treated and cared for as one's own child, including complete rights of inheritance. So God sent his son that there might be a formal and legal declaration 
that we are to become sons and daughters of God. We legally become heirs according to the promise. The covenant of God finds its completeness in the first coming of Christ and the birth of the King. No longer do we have to concern ourselves with any identity issues because we find our identity in the adoption by God. It is because of this adoption that the Spirit of Christ has breathed within us the desire to cry out, Abba, Father. The word Abba was an endearing Hebrew word for Father. In today's words, it would be the word Papa. By this adoption, we are to experience the closest of relationships with the Father. And because of that adoption, friend, as the last verse states, we are no longer slaves to the law. We are no longer children without a full understanding or a full experience of the blessings of God, but rather we are now sons and daughters of God, truly his rightful heirs. Friends, because Jesus Christ came to this earth, we have become legally adopted children of God. It is with this adoption that we realize a more fulfilling and special life with God. Jesus came that we might be redeemed and that we might be adopted as sons and daughters of God. And so I want to ask you today, has something been missing in your relationship with Christ? Has your relationship been very basic and rudimentary? Are you not truly experiencing the full blessings of a relationship with him? Today, Jesus calls out to you. He calls out to you through the writings of Paul. He calls out to you and says this. You can't work your way into heaven. You can't redeem yourself. You can't excuse yourself. You can only experience hope. You can only experience fulfillment through the coming and experiencing my adoption. Friends, Jesus calls out to you to experience that hope in him, to experience the full blessing of his promise. Today, he wants you to be adopted, that you might experience what it is to be truly a son of God a daughter of God. Do you want to receive that blessing today? Do you want to receive that redemption and that adoption? Do you want to accept the ultimate gift offered in this great cosmic battle, Star Wars? He offers that gift to you today for free. What stops you from taking him up on it? Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that you sent your son Jesus that we might be adopted as sons and daughters. Some of us today have lived a life. Some of us have struggled in our lives with very difficult circumstances and situations. Today, as we see our adoption is possible through Jesus, your son, we come, hearts broken, and we say, we want to be your son. We want to be your daughter. Maybe somebody's been watching today that 
has always sensed that they were a son or daughter, but today is a renewed sense of that. I pray, dear God, that all, everyone that is watching and hearing these words today would cry out, Abba, Father, and through the adoption in Jesus, enjoy a fruitful relationship with him. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Dear friends, what a thrilling promise. God desires us to be his son, to be his daughter. Would you like to learn more about what it means to become that son, to become that daughter, to accept this adoption? For today's offer, I want to give you the little booklet, Three Steps to Heaven. This thrilling journey walks step by step on how you might fully realize that adoption with Jesus Christ. The chapters include what is repentance? What does it mean to repent? How do I repent? Then why should we confess our sins? Why should we confess? Is there any need to? And the book will instruct us on how we can. And then lastly, claiming the victory. This little booklet will talk to us about victory in Jesus and what it means to walk with him as a son and a daughter to experience the full joy of our adoption in him. Here's the information you need to receive today's offer. To request today's offer, just log on to www.itiswrittencanada.ca. That's www.itiswrittencanada.ca and select the TV program tab. For Canadian viewers, the offer will be sent free and postage paid. For viewers outside of Canada, shipping charges will apply. If you prefer, you may call toll-free at 1-888-CALL-IIW. That's 1-888-CALL-IIW. Call anytime. Lines are open 24 hours daily. That's 1-888-CALL-IIW. Or if you wish, you may write to us at It Is Written, Box 2010, Oshawa, Ontario, L1H 7V4. That's It Is Written, Box 2010, Oshawa, Ontario, L1H 7V4. The promise to become a son or daughter of God. It is a serious promise. It is a serious proposition. It is a wonderful invitation. Do you want to accept that invitation today? I want to invite you to go to our website, itiswrittencanada.ca, and there you'll find resources on how you can grow and develop in your relationship with Jesus. There on the website, you can sign up for free Bible studies. You can find archives of our past programs, and you can find other wonderful resources to help you on that joy with Jesus. I want to also encourage you to like our Facebook page so you can keep up with the ministry and what's happening and receive the promises of God. You can also follow us on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter, at Pastor Holland. To be a son or daughter of God is an experience of joy with Jesus. Some of us may have grown up in a troubled home and we don't know what it's like to have a real father. But Jesus is the best father of all. He'll never let us down. He'll never leave us, nor will he forsake us. 
In fact, Joshua chapter 1 and verse 9 says that God will be with us wherever we go. He'll be right there at our side. He'll take us by the hand. He'll walk us along the way. Today, Jesus invites you to enter into that type of relationship with him. I hope you make that choice today. I hope you join us again next week. Until then, remember, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Thank you.